Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be uh, picking up where we left off as we go through the epistle to the Ephesians on Wednesday night. Tonight we'll read verses 26 through 32. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, beginning in verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So remember in these latter verses here, we're seeing this contrast that Paul has given between the old man and the new man. And he says in previous verses there, the old man is corrupt according to deceitful east, uh, <laughs> deceitful east, deceitful lust. And while the new man is created by God in righteousness and true holiness. And then in verse 25, uh, we saw that we, when we put on the new man, as we, as we do that, then in verse 25, we covered uh, the last couple of weeks, wherefore, putting away lying. And so, as we, and, and Paul's given us a, a little list here so that we can know whether or not we have the new man. Right? And he says, look, if you're lying, you're in the old man. And he says, put away lying. What do you put in his place? Truth. And so um, we're to speak truth to our neighbors. Why? Because we're members one of another. Last week we um, considered verse 26 where we saw that it's possible to be angry and not sin. Remember, anger is an emotion that God has given us. The Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. It's not a matter of having anger. It's a matter of how that anger is used. And so we saw it's possible to be angry and not sin. Uh, We saw how Jesus was angered, uh, how the temple had become a den of thieves. And he was angry at the hard hearts of the Pharisees. That's what the Bible says. Um, And then... The, the, the thing about this, though, truth angers a lot of people, doesn't it? And Jesus was going around speaking truth, and the Pharisees hated it. Amen. And, and, and the thing is, you know what, we've already covered all that. I'm going to try not to re-preach that. Let me, just, let me just focus here. But our anger is rarely righteous. Come on now, let's just get back into the message here. Our, our, our anger is usually not this righteous demonstration. It's usually something sinful. Um, most of our anger is very self-centered. It rises out of hurt feelings. And so we, we kind of turn that thing and, and we get mad because somehow we've been offended or something like that. And the problem with that is it becomes very dangerous as we saw in the case with Cain and Abel. I, I mean, that's after the sin in the garden, the next sin is murder. 
because Cain was wroth uh, with, with a, or with, actually with God, but he took it out on Abel. But if you do get angry, we're just recapping here, the rest of verse 26 says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Because lasting anger allows Satan to come along and plant the thought in your mind that you need to take matters into your own hands. The Bible doesn't give us that authority. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And so we don't have the authority to do that. Um, We don't take matters into our own hands. Matthew Henry wrote, and again I quoted this last week, Though anger may come into the bosom of a wise man, it rests only in the bosom of fools. And so even if we sin by becoming wrongly angered, it should never dwell with us. Um, and, And we should confess that sin, get it right with God, or whoever we're angered at, by going to them. Now, at the end of the day, we need to be ready to forgive those who maybe have lashed out at us in anger, right? Because don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. And so we have to give space for that. That's where our part comes in. And just because somebody gets angry at you, well, now you've got a responsibility on how you respond to that. And, and we got to make sure we don't let the sun go down on our wrath. Um, and, and so we should never harbor lasting resentment. We should always desire to right a wrong before that day is out. Amen. Um, and by the way, it's just a great feeling at the end of the day to lay your head down and know that you have peace with God. Amen. Amen. Now, for tonight, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. So why is it so important to not let the sun go down upon our wrath? Because in context here, Paul's saying when you do that, you give place to the devil. That sounds pretty serious to me. Um, When you stew, uh, when, when you let anger just fester, you're opening the door to the devil. Not just that, we'll be tempted to take matters in their own hands. And and here's what typically happens when somebody gets angered and it's not dealt with, bitterness begins to set in. And the Bible calls it a root of bitterness. And it begins to take root. And our minds start to play tricks on us. And now people are saying something they never said. (laughs) Amen. And so we've got to be real careful about this thing. And it interests me that this phrase... Neither give place to the devil. And, and I understand it's applicable in every area of life, but in context, it is directly related to anger in the context here. When we think of Satan, we can see he has some serious anger issues. Hey Amen. He's not been to anger management. And, and all anger management does... Just makes you pin it up anyway, and then you just, uh, anyway, because it's a hard issue, amen. Anyway, all right. Isaiah 14, verses 13 and 14 say, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's describing Lucifer. And we know Lucifer was very prideful, and that's how that's often preached. And why not? He says, I will, a bunch of times. He's prideful because he wants a position that can only belong to God. But if we think this through, then we can see that Lucifer was angered that he wasn't exalted as he desired. Everybody with me? Um, and, and, and though he was the anointed cherub that covereth, and he was upon the holy mountain of God, that wasn't enough. 
He was angered that he wasn't above God. And, and here's the application. If we're not careful, we can get angered in our life because we're not learning to be content with where God has us. I, uh, I need to say this on a Sunday morning, but I'll say it in here tonight. Um, this is often the downfall of a lot of our young military folks. I'm not content where I'm at. Well, I can't say I blame you. I wasn't real happy to get orders to Army support in Korea. But listen, what's going to make the difference is you learning contentment where God has put you. And just making the best of that thing, amen? And just go ahead and get involved in the church. Anyway, remind me to say that Sunday because you taking notes over there, sis? All right. Got my secretary back. Amen. Man, I had a good saying while you were gone. No, we was going to put it on T-shirts. If it comes to me, I'm going to just blurt it out, and it'll make sense. And so um, we have to learn contentment where God has placed us. When, when Satan tried to uh, usurp God, God gave the sentence. I'm going somewhere with all this. God gave the sentence that he would be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit. And Satan's anger grew. And Satan declared war on the things of God. Um, God created mankind in his image. And so as Satan being mad at God, having this anger issue, and as God created man in the image of himself, Satan declared war against creation, especially mankind, being angered at the things of God. So in the Garden of Eden, Satan uh, now going after mankind, and we know the account of how he tempted Eve and Adam transgressed and sin entered the world. And, and so God came down and he pronounced a further judgment against Satan. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And from that point, Satan began to wage war on the seed of the woman. Which is why, when we covered this before, the, the next thing we find after God pronounces that is Satan stirs up Cain with this anger to kill Abel. Why? Because Abel was a righteous representation of what God accepted. Is everybody tracking with me here? And knowing that God accepted Abel's sacrifice because it was righteous, Cain kills Abel. Satan is wanting to destroy the seed. Well, the line wouldn't come through Abel, but that's a whole other thing. Come to but anyway, and so down through the centuries, Satan's anger grew and grew. And we know when God's Christ came to the earth to redeem mankind, Satan unleashed his anger. All the babies under two years old in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof were murdered in an attempt to take out Jesus Christ. And of course, at the conclusion of Christ's earthly ministry, there was a war in the heavenlies that day that could not be seen by human eyes. Certainly was manifested upon the earth, and Satan stirred the anger of the religious elites to take Jesus and crucify him with wicked hands. Now, we know that what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. 
And, and we better know this, that Jesus willingly laid down his life. Amen. But the point I'm trying to highlight is just as, and this is where I was going with all this. Uh, I could have just said it in two sentences, amen. But remember how lying, we're told put away lying because lying mimics Satan. He's the father of lies. And, and Paul here is saying you've got to put on the new man. And, and, and if you're choosing to have the old man on you and, and you're going to have this anger issue, just as lying mimics Satan... So does anger. That's where I'm going with that. And I don't reckon that any who have made time to be here tonight on a Wednesday night, God bless you, thank you for being here. I don't think anybody here tonight would want to be like the devil. I would like to believe on a Wednesday night our desire is to be like Christ. And if that's the case, we have to learn to eliminate anger from our lives. And it's not easy, amen. And so Paul in this context says, neither give place to the devil. This is an interesting phrase to me as I started breaking down these words. Um, When we give place to the devil, to, to give place means we give him territory in our life. We give him occupancy. We give him room. We give him a location. And, and the way the devil wants to gain territory in the believer's life is through our emotions. Remember, anger is an emotion. And, and he wants to stir up our emotions. And a lot of our emotions can become sinful if not kept in the right context. I don't know that you can ever sinfully be joyful. Maybe. Maybe if you're really glad that something bad happened. I, I, I got to think that through. But I know a lot of times our emotions can actually become sinful if we're not careful. But I want you to get the language used here. What does it say? Neither give place to the devil. You know what? For the child of God, Satan can't do to us when it comes to this context here. We know God can allow things. But he cannot take territory in our lives unless we give it to Him. And when we think about this word give, it is something that you bestow, you yield, and grant. To give is a gift. Right? When you give somebody something, you're giving them a gift. And, 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 I, and here's, what, here's what we're being taught. When you give place to the devil, you give him a gift. You are gifting Satan to have territory in your life. Is there an emotion you have given the devil which he now uses to seemingly control you by? You ever heard of the term drama queen? You know what that really is? You giving place to the devil. All right. I, I don't know. Are there drama kings? Does anybody know? Or is it just an effeminate kind of thing? I, there's drama kings. Amen, sis. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Uh, amen. But I reckon we're all surrounded by it now. But anyway, ask Karen. She knows about drama kings. I would probably call them drama princesses. Prin- princes. 
Not princesses, princes. Okay, amen. Um, And so here's the thing. Are you making it easy for the devil to have territory in your life that rightly belongs to God? I don't think tonight we would have to list sins in order to get you to examine your heart to see if one of those is an area that you've given over to the devil. I would like to believe on a night like tonight, it comes to your mind. You know that area that you've given territory to the devil. You know that area in your life. You know how he's seeking to control you. And and I want you to understand that I'm not even talking about an assault by the devil. We'll see later on in chapter 6. He's got fiery darts. We've got to put on this armor, all this kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about those areas where the devil will seek to deceive us through deceit. He put it in the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira, those people in Acts 5, to, to lie to the Holy Ghost. Right? And, and, he, and he put the thought into David's mind to number the children. I'm not talking about deceit. But I'm just talking about those areas that we willingly hand over to Satan. Is everybody with me where I'm trying to go with this? When we were born again, the Lord cleansed us every whit. Praise God, by His blood we were made whole. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Yeah, all things. All things are become new. We've been made to walk in newness of life. We were given a clean slate. God places the wine of the Holy Spirit into new bottles. God placed a new spirit within us. God takes out the stony heart and gives us a new heart. And God moves into a temple that has been completely cleansed. And at that moment, Satan has no place in your life. Do you remember that feeling you had after you got saved? First time you got, you know, truly cleansed? And you just remember. Amen. Well, I didn't get saved off emotions. Well, if, you know what, if you can't tell God moved up inside of you, then we got a problem tonight. But anyway. But we also understand the problem is our old nature didn't vanish. Because we have a daily decision to make whether or not we're going to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. That's our daily struggle. And at some point in your walk with God, you sinned after you were saved. I'm sure you confessed it. But that sin showed up again because now Satan knows your weakness. And you developed what the Bible calls a besetting sin. And if you're not careful, you will slowly grow indifferent to that sin. It no longer affects you the way it did the first time. The law of diminishing returns. The very first time you ever held hands with your soon-to-be. Now Adrian tries to hold my hand. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just back off, girl. I'm going into Cabela's. 
I'm just kidding. I hold her hand. I'm not saying I like it, but I do it. And, and we just start to grow indifferent. And it no longer has that uh, shock value. It no longer has that, um, that breaking of the heart that we've done this to God. And all we're doing along the way is we're opening up territory for Satan to inhabit. And all Satan needs in your life is a toehold to gain a foothold to break on through. And to just claim something that was never his to begin with. Remember from Ephesians 3.17 it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Every room of your heart is for Christ, not the devil. It's Christ's territory for Christ to dwell in. Remember, all of us here, I'm not saying we need to be proud of it, okay? But we understand what it's like to allow the enemy to have territory in our life. If you just be honest tonight. And I want to just give you, what do we do when that happens? What do we do? Well, first and foremost, we must confess our sins to God. Amen? And I mean, we have to be specific about it. I think we're very casual when it comes to confessing. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Now, that may be appropriate in a corporate setting because there's some things that just don't need to be said. But when you're alone with God, you need to confess your sin as precisely as you can. And you need to be honest with God. You know the passage, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what you may not understand tonight is that word for confess, it's not just an acknowledgement of sins, but here's what that word means. It means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. Well, what does that mean? We, we need to go beyond just acknowledging our sin to God, but we need to say the same thing God says about it. Everybody, everybody with me? Because here's what we do. We say, no, 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 I have righteous indignation. No, you've got an anger problem. Well, I just want to hold them accountable. No, you've got an unforgiving spirit. Well, there's just some things I, I can't get over. No, you've got a problem with bitterness. Well, I just, I, I just needed some me time. No, you're lazy. I mean, I'll go outside and check the name on the sign. Uh, if this is a Methodist church and I didn't know it, uh, I can change the message. So just get in and say amen or else you look guilty. Well, I just haven't had time, preacher. No, God is not a priority in your life. We have all these excuses. Just call it what it is. 
Amen. You probably heard that statement, confession is good for the soul. And the idea is that you can come clean and kind of get some closure and move on in life. Satan's desire is for you to dwell in sin and never get that right with God. That's, that's what he would want for you as a saved person. Satan does not want you to get alone with God so that you can have that time, that quiet time with God, where you can confess the sins that you have opened up territory to Satan for. He doesn't want you getting alone with God. Why? Because God is the only one who can forgive you of those sins. And we live in a day where there are more distractions today than any time ever in history. Right? I mean, we have television. We used to have these things called telephones. Um, Now they're smartphones. We have internet. We have uh, the line. (laughs) We have internets, if you're George Bush. We have gaming devices. We're very blessed to live in America. We have time for hobbies. And, and here's what we do is we fill our day with distraction. And so that we never get that time to get alone with God and confess. And because of that, we continue to struggle with Satan because that territory has not been dealt with. We've given place to the devil. And at the end of the day, we have no time left for God. And, and I know this to be true, and I know that Christians, as a result of that, don't make much time for God. And that's why we struggle. But I want to remind you tonight, the devil's been defeated. We allow Satan to hang around where he otherwise would have no power. Is, is, is this not what Jesus said? I've overcome the world. You're more than conquerors in Christ. I'll give you power to tread over serpents. We just don't seem to do that. And, and all I'm trying to encourage you to do tonight is to do what you already know to do. What you already should be doing. And that is get alone with God. Pour your heart out to Him. And when you get alone and you confess your sins to the Father, you need to pray with the prayer that David prayed in your mind, just kind of that pattern there in Psalm 51. And the beginning of that psalm, it says it's a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And I highlight that just to say this. Before that prayer, that sin is clearly acknowledged for what it is. It doesn't say David had a midlife crisis. Amen. When he went on to Bathsheba, it's clearly stated, and David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. 
And then he goes on to say, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. and Renew a right spirit within me. When's the last time you've prayed like that? Well, Lord, you know, I'm just dust. When I return to dust, I'm just flesh. No, we're sinning against a holy and righteous God. What about after you confess? Turn over to James. You say, I get it. I know I need to confess. How do I keep Satan from getting territory in my life? James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Sometimes in our zeal we quote that verse all cattywampus. We, we quote it, it's all out of order. And I want you to notice the order in which God inspired James to write this. First thing is submit yourselves therefore to God. See, the first part of all of this, if you want to keep the devil from getting territory in your life, is to submit yourself to God. Well, what does it mean to submit? It means to obey. It means to place yourself under his authority. Um, Only after you have submitted yourself to God, listen, only after you do that can you then begin to resist the devil. Otherwise, you're just going in the strength of your flesh. And as you resist the devil, you need to draw near to God. And God says in His Word, it isn't enough to draw nigh with your mouth, but you have to draw near with your heart. And only after these things will God begin to draw near to you. And I think sometimes we just rattle these passages off and we draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. You better submit yourself. Psalm 73, 28 says, but it's good for me to draw near to God. Hebrews 10, 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So why do all this? Because our adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. And Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience that is set before us. And so when we give place to the devil, we are hindering our race that God has placed us in to run for his glory. And so the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. I want to have an altar call tonight. We don't normally do that on Wednesday nights. Would you play something for us, whoever can get up? Thanks, Danny. Because I think we need to do business with God. And I got done early just to give us time for this. So I want us to stand together, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've given place to the devil or you just need some help, won't you come and talk with God? Maybe you've got some sin you need to confess. 
and you just come to an altar and you get right with him, praise God. Thank you for your, your humbleness to come forward and humble yourself before God. I'll pray, and then if anybody else needs to respond, Father, we love you. Thank you for the word. May we take serious the warning in your word that we should not give place to the devil. May we kick him out of the territory that you died for, that you bled for, that you might have the preeminence in our life and get all the glory. We love you tonight. Amen.